Welcome to the Abundant Grace Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Lewis, and I am so glad you're here. My hope is that each episode feels like you're having tea or coffee with a friend. Religiosity can complicate our relationship with God, and it can feel more like a heavy burden than the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. I know what it's like to want a relationship with God and to feel like you have to do all the things the right way to keep God happy. Learning that God loves me and even likes me has changed my life and how I approach faith, the Bible, work, family. Because when you are grounded in your worth and God's grace, it does change everything. And I want to share that with you here. I pray that this podcast empowers you in your unique, genuinely personal relationship with God and encourages you to rest in who God is and who he says you are. Hi there, friend. Welcome to the Abundant Grace Podcast. Today, I have a special interview for you. We're talking about rest and really empowering you to live from a place of rest with your cup full. I have Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith with me today, and she is a board-certified internal medicine physician, a speaker, and an award-winning author. She is an international well-being thought leader featured in numerous media outlets, including Prevention, MSNBC, Fox Fast Company, Psychology Today, CNN, and TED.com. She is the author of numerous books, including her bestseller, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity, including insight in the seven types of rest needed to optimize your productivity, increase your overall happiness, and overcome burnout and live your best life. Over 250,000 people have discovered their personal rest deficits using her free assessment at restquiz.com. So I feel like that's just the tip of the iceberg of things that you um, touch and are involved in or in using um, to change people's lives. But thank you so much for being here today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. So can you start by telling your story, kind of like how you start your book? Like, how did you come to realize you were in a rest deficit and inspired you to encourage others to as well? Yeah, so um, I burned out is probably the simplest answer. I'm a, a mom. And at the time, I had two toddlers. And so um you know, being a new parent and working full time and doing all the things um, really didn't have any rest strategy in place. My rest strategy simply was, okay, when the weekend comes, I'll try to get some rest, you know, whatever that looked like. Mm. Honestly, you know, what that looked like in my mind was just kind of, can I get a few moments to myself? <laughs> you know, can I, can I get some extra sleep or can I, um, you know, just have a moment to break away? And so there wasn't any real plan, any real strategy. It was just trying to fit rest in. And so I just recall one day coming home from um, work, you know, um, my medical practice, my office, uh, picking up my kids on the way home from daycare and um, just walking in my house and just feeling like, you know, goodness, if this, if this is what I've been praying for, because I <laughs> had given me everything that I had asked for, I had the, the two children that did not come right. me, prayed and prayed for. So I finally had them and, you know, married and all the things, the career I'd spent, you know, t- forever pr- preparing for and training for and going to school for. And it was like, you know, this is everything I asked for, but I'm not enjoying any bit of it. I, I'm, completely exhausted um, every day, all day. 
And I just recall that particular day, I just felt like it just came to a head. I don't recall anything specific that happened that day, but I was just mm-hmm. bone exhausted. And I just laid out on my four-year floor, kind of looking up uh, at my ceiling thinking, you know, is, is this what, is this the as good as it gets? <laughs> is this, is, you know, what as good as I can expect that it's just going to be a life of, of, you know, drain and exhaustion and, you know, all of those things. And I recall just, you know, laying there in that moment, I felt like it was the very first time I had um, even inquired of God about such things or even had that thought hit my mind that maybe there is a different way. Maybe there's some, uh, another way of doing all the things that we feel called to do and not be, you know, consumed in the process. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So what, what it was the first thing that you started shifting? What did God direct you to first? The very first thing was, was really a returning back to the Bible. Um, you know, I felt like I was well versed in the Bible. You know, at the time my husband and I were leading Bible study and, you know, we were, we were involved in a lot of different stuff. So I felt like, you know, I, you know, God, I feel like I know all there is to know. <laughs> as much as a person can, I guess, you know, about the Bible. And I know we're supposed to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. I mean, I know all this stuff. And, but I, I really felt like God just continued to bring me back really to the very beginning to Genesis. I spent probably a year, over a year um, in that one particular book, just over and over and over again, reading the same passages. And I just really did not feel a release to go on to anywhere else. It's like, you haven't mm-hmm. learned the lesson here. Um, and I just recall one day reading that, uh, you know, the passage of scripture where it talks about rest, you know, and on the seventh day, God rested. And I remember reading that and I just felt like, you know, for the first time, it kind of, the thought just hit my head. What was man doing when God was resting? Because it doesn't really say, you know, but then, at, you know, the more I kind of kept going back and reading that over and over again, it finally just kind of illuminated to me that, you know, man was created on the sixth, mankind was created on the you know, sixth day and animals and all of that. It talks about it. Then it says on the seventh day, God rested. But then it doesn't talk about man actually doing any work until the entire next chapter, you know, after all the rest. Mm-hmm. And it was like for the first time, my eyes just kind of saw that that pattern that, you know, before. Man was created and, you know, and was spoken into and fruitful and multiply and dominion and all the work, you know, all the work was told (laughs) as far as what your life would look like. But Mm -hmm. before the work ever even was attempted, in between there was the day of rest. And, you know, for me, it was a it was a mindset shift. I'd always thought that, you know, you work, you work hard, you earn the rest, then you take rest, then you go do work. And it's just like you, you rest after you've done enough work. Whereas when I looked at this portion of scripture, it was like for the first time I saw the, the work comes after the rest. The resting is where you're poured into to actually be able to do the work, to be filled for the work that you're, that you're going out to do. Mm-hmm. That mindset shift really just changed everything for me. Right. All right. I love that because that's the work that's the work that I help people do is that mindset shift. Like we have to know that we're worthy. We have to know that this is a gift from God before we feel like we can rest. Do you feel like you come across people that feel like they don't deserve it? Rest and what do you say to them? Yeah, absolutely. That's honestly where I was starting at. My my worth and my work were all tied up together. So if I was mm-hmm. working, I was more worthy. 
of whatever it was, whatever blessings I received, whatever honor I received, whatever it was, I felt like the work had earned it. So, so I was worthy of whatever that was because of the work. And I think a lot of us kind of get into that, that thought process is that, you know, as long as I'm working, then I feel like I, I kind of have some skin in the game, so to speak, you know, with whatever's going on in our lives. Whereas the blessings don't really operate like that. God doesn't require us necessarily to have work skin in the game to be able to receive some of the, the blessings that we want most. You know, a lot of the blessings we're most seeking are blessings that come from grace. And so I think it's one of those things where, where you do have to kind of evaluate what drives your work. Why, why is it that you struggle to rest? What is it that you are um, associating the rest and the work with that may not be in alignment with the, the truth of God's word. Mm, right. Yeah. Realigning ourselves with what does actually God say about rest, which is what you talk about it, uh, from Genesis. God didn't require Adam and Eve. Okay. We're going to take a break after you get all the animals named <laughs> or after you finish <laughs> part of this. <laughs> right. That's so true. And, you know, I think that's how a lot of us kind of approach life. It's like, okay, I got, you know, I got this to-do list. I got all this stuff that needs to get done. And, you know, I just need to keep chugging at it till I get it all done. And once I get it all done, then I feel like I have permission to rest because now, you know, I don't have anything else to do. So, you know, I don't have anything else to do. Might as well rest, right? Mm -hmm. but, but the reality of that is the work is never done. If you're alive, the work is never done. There's always something that could be done. So if that's your criteria for resting, you're never going to rest. Because you're always going to have something that can be before you to do. I mean, the enemy of our soul is always going to make sure you have something before you to do. You know, rest really has to be a conscious, intentional effort. And I think that's that's the the laboring to enter into rest that the, the scriptures talk about. There There is a work to resting. <laughs> there is a there is a um, an approach you have to almost enter into that process with to be able to rest. And that approach is simply that, that you're going to choose that this is something that I'm going to prioritize. And I think that is the work of, of kind of entering into rest. Yes. I have been trying to implement more of a stillness in the evenings, whether it's five or 15 minutes, just sitting still, reviewing my day, being more aware of God's presence. And that is that is a fight. It's, this should not be hard. I'm already, I'm tired. It's at the end of the day. I should be able to sit here and rest. And even though I know that's best for me and it's good for me, it's still a struggle. Yeah. You know, I think for a lot of us, particularly depending on what your predisposition is to work, you know, I, I when I look at the story of Mary and Martha, I see two sides at the same coin. They're, they're, they're both needed. You know, there one's not better than the other. I don't feel like Jesus was rebuking Martha because she because that's how he created her. He created her to be someone who's kind of driven to work. But but I think it's it's two sides of the same coin in that you have to have a work ethic and you have to have a rest ethic. You have to have both to really get the fullness of what God's doing in your life. And I feel like she had gotten kind of she had she had prioritized one without taking into account the other. And I think that's what Jesus was speaking into. <laughs> Not mm -hmm. that it's like, oh, you're bad for wanting to do work. It's that you have to understand that both are, are needed and there's a place for both. And I think that's something that, that many of us just, you know, we struggle with. 
<laughs> to be honest with you, especially if you're someone who's a kind of driven, high achiever type, get it done kind of personality, then that's going to be harder for you than as far as the resting versus then you have some people who are more like Mary who are not self-initiators and are not self-starters and they have their own struggle because God tells them to do something and they don't, they don't move because they, they have become more comfortable with the resting than the working. It's Mm -hmm. both. Right. Would you say that they are resting well and getting their cup filled though, if they are disengaged from the work, do you think? No, God doesn't want any of us to be gluttonous with the gifts and what he pours into us. I think there should be a consistent flow of what's, Mm -hmm. so even in resting, you're resting to be filled just like they did on that seventh day so that you can then pour from a full cup and you're not pouring from an empty cup, which is from an almost empty cup, which is what a lot of us are, are doing. We're pouring from our emptiness rather than from a place of fullness. But then again, he doesn't want you sitting there getting filled up just have keeping it all stagnant. Mm-hmm, right. Okay. So when you think about filling the cup, you talk about seven different types of rest, which was really helpful for me because I struggle. The My biggest rest deficit is in mental rest. So I'll sit down and I'll think I'm resting when I'm journaling, or I'll think I'm resting when I pick up the book that I'm reading through. And for me, I need like space from that. I need to quiet my mind, like be still inside of me. Right. So that was really helpful that for me to recognize that filling, trying to fill that rest deficit in mental rest with physical rest was why even after a day of Sabbath or a space of not working, I wasn't feeling rested. Can you talk about the different kinds of rest and the importance of that? Yeah, I think that's key for many of us actually getting to a place of feeling well rested is understanding where the rest deficit is at. You know, um, the seven types of rest that you mentioned include the physical, mental, uh, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative. And so, you know, if you're someone who, let's say, let's say you're someone who, your brain just doesn't shut off. You are an overprocessor. You're an overthinker. You're always thinking the thoughts. You're always kind of evaluating situations and running ideas thing and things through your head. Then you then you will struggle with mental rest because your mental space will stay overfilled. It'll stay too full. And then the the counterpart of that, the restorative activity that helps that, are those things that actually help focus your thoughts, clear your mind. And so I think the first thing that most of us have to to overcome is how we define rest. Too often we look at it as simply just stopping cessation activities. You know, if I'm resting, I'm just going to sit still, you know, and stare at a blade of grass or, you know, (laughs) or, you know, I'm just going to just be still or lay in bed or something. But, you know, the reality of that is, is that it should be a restorative process. So whatever that looks like to you. So if your brain is over full, then the restorative process is clearing it out the same way you would if you walked into a room that's overfilled, you would take some stuff out and make space. And so mm-hmm. that is the same process. So we have to first kind of understand that there is a, a activity oftentimes that is the counterpart to that thing that is 
that is causing us to feel overwhelmed or, or overstressed. And so with mental rest, you know, it can look two ways. It can look like you mentioned where you're kind of clearing your thoughts out, however that may look, not adding to what you're thinking about, not adding to the to the, the mental fog, but kind of just clearing out the space. And the second way some people experience that is by by focusing their thoughts more. Too often we are in a situation where we're kind of multitasking. And so our brain gets used to jumping from thought to thought to thought. It's just kind of jumping around about yes. different things all the time. And so we're training our brain to multitask. And then it's like, I'm, I'm ready for bed. So I'm going to lay here and try to get my thoughts to clear. And your brain's still jumping. It's like, oh, I'm thinking this and thinking that and thinking this and all these things are going on. So sometimes the, the, mental rest is from that process of actually honing down your thoughts. So this is where it can be helpful to have a, a scripture or a word of the day or, you know, whatever. I like to use a characteristic of God. Mm -hmm. So if you're a chronic worrier, you know, that's the same process. Your brain's jumping from all the negative thoughts. So if that's you, then your your mental rest may be thinking on a characteristic of God that specifically counteracts whatever you're worrying about. I have a child that's going into college. So there's all kind of stuff I could worry about if I chose mm -hmm. to. And so the characteristic that I tend to focus on is faithfulness. So I, so if I start thinking all the thoughts, then the word I focus my thoughts on is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. If I'm with my son, God's faithful when I'm not with my son. God's faithful when he's in the car by himself. God's faithful when he's in the car with his friends. So if I keep my thoughts focused on that, it keeps me from spiraling and from thinking all these other things, you know, that could potentially come into my mind and keep me up at night. Mm hmm. Oh, that's really good. I think that's really helpful for me when I think about mental rest is what is one thing that I could think about right now? And that helps me stay present in the moment, really. And that um, helps me be still more because I find myself, uh, I've cleared a lot of things from my calendar. So I have more margin in my life, even though I have it full, it's not, it doesn't feel overwhelming. But one of the things at being still is staying present with my kids. When I sit down to play with them, it can't be five minutes and I'm organizing their toys or I'm doing something. Like it's just staying present and just staying focused on one thing is such a, a skill to practice for me. Yeah, it's a, it's a discipline that has to be, that our brain has to be trained for. You know, I sometimes equate it to, you know, if you have a five-year-old child and you, you are, you know, in a room and you tell them have a seat in this chair and I'm going to leave and I'm going to come back five minutes later. That child's not in the chair. The child's rolling on the floor, painting on the walls, who knows where the child's at, but they're not in that chair usually. And so what do you do? You redirect the child back to the chair. No, I said, have a seat in the chair and you put them back in the chair. The brain has to be taught almost the same thing. I sometimes that what I just described to you with faithfulness, I'll use a word as a chair. It's a mental word chair that I'm going to seat my thoughts in. And when when just like that, that five-year-old decides, Oop, I want to go run over here and run over there and do this, do that. I bring my brain back to the place I wanted to think about. And if this is with, we just came back from a family vacation. And so the Martha in me was thinking all the stuff all the time or what my inbox is doing. So if as I'm in the moment trying to enjoy this vacation, my head's trying to take me a completely right. different route. What I do in the moment is I 
I, long before I even get to the moment, I usually decide what is my word going to be. On that particular trip, my word was family. I wanted to be present in the moment with my family. So the second my brain starts trying to fly down some other coaster, I immediately think the word family and seep my thoughts back in that. In that. And what happens is when you do that often enough, it's just like a child. It learns. She's not going to let this go. So I might as well start thinking about family. Because <laughs> I'm not going to pull her off of this. Once she's on a track. I'm not going to pull her off of it. So I might as well just think family and stay in this moment and get this done before we go on to whatever the next thing is. Right. Oh, that's so good. Because then I can just have one word. That's my intention. Something I've been trying to be more intentional, no pun intended, about is setting intentions for things or at the beginning of the day. What is what is the intention? God, what is the assignment? What's the intention for today? One word and putting myself back in that chair. Thank you. That was really helpful. Can you address some of the other kinds of rest? What maybe creative rest or other ways that we can fill all of our buckets? Yeah, so I'll quickly hit on all of them just just or as many as I can <laughs> based yeah. on the time. Um, physical rest, uh, obviously, most of us are already aware we need adequate sleep. But however, most of us, our sleep is not as 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 good as it could be, is, is not as restful as it could be because we are trying to treat our bodies like, like a light switch, like we can flip it on, flip it off. And oh. really rest is that bridge that takes us from our day to our evening that, that kind of woos us into better quality sleep. And so when you look at physical rest, it has the two components. It has the active as well as the passive, the passive being the sleeping and the napping, the active being those things that actually just helped your body feel better. Um, massage therapy, leisure walks, stretching, you know, whatever it is, just anything that actually helps your body feel better to make sure that you're doing some of those things as well, just to make sure that you're not trying to go to sleep with a tight, painful, uncomfortable, you know, physical body. Mm -hmm. um, Spiritual rest gets really interesting because I, I find that oftentimes when I talk to people of faith, they'll say, oh, I'm good with the physical. I read my Bible. I do my devotionals. You know, I do all this stuff. And so I'm good with physical uh, with spiritual rest. But when I talk about spiritual rest, I'm not actually talking about any of those things. I, I'm specifically talking about building a relationship with God where it's, it's more personal than just your times of devotion. It's more personal than just reading the Bible. All of those things are good and you should do those. But it's more than that. It's actually just those times of intimacy when you are not necessarily coming in prayer uh, with request, wanting to an answer for this or to know more about that or all, any of that. It's just, I just want to be with you. You know, I, I related to the same thing if you're married or you're in a relationship with somebody. If every time I came to my husband's because I wanted to learn from him or I wanted to know more about him specifically, you know, as far as how do I do this or how do I accomplish that or what's your answer for this and what's your answer for that? And, you know, can I get this and can I get that? That's not going to help our relationship grow intimately. Intimacy requires a lot more. It requires times when your mouth's completely shut and your head's just on his heart. And you're just like, I just want to be with you. I don't care if you ever say a word. I just want to be here in your presence. And we have to have that same type relationship with God. And specifically for anyone who is in ministry, because I find that they tend to have the most need for spiritual rest. Anyone in ministry, it can become very easy 
to get in a situation where your time with God, you're always going because you're you're needing a word to take to whoever it is you're ministering to. Yeah. So you're going because you're in the word, you know, you're you're full of the Bible and full of, you know, all of that. You're in the word, but you're going to the word to extrapolate something to then serve up to someone else, which I understand that could be needed if that's your profession. However, there still has to be times of intimacy when you are not needing anything from God other than just simply to be in his presence. And so that's the main thing with spiritual rest. Um, Emotional rest and social rest I tend to discuss together because they both deal with people. Emotional specifically referring to how, how comfortable you feel being just real raw and authentic about what you're feeling with others and having those people in those situations in your life where you are able to express that. So you're not having to carry the emotional labor of whatever is going on in your world, whether that's trauma, drama, whatever it is, you've got someone where you feel that you can be truthful about if you feel depressed or anxious or worried or, or whatever that emotion may be. Um, and that person could be a pastor, a friend, a husband, a counselor, a therapist. I mean, a coach, you get to pick who the person is, but we each need that person or people in our lives that we can experience emotional rest with and transparency with. Um, social rest, on the other hand, deals with how people pull from us. And so everybody in our life is either positively pouring into us, life-giving, or negatively pulling from us, kind of draining some of our social energy. And even if someone's negatively pulling from your social energy, it doesn't mean that they're a negative person. It basically is just the nature of the relationship, because oftentimes the people who are negatively pulling from you are the people you love the most. They're your kids, your elderly parents, you know, co-workers, clients, those kind of things. And so you just have to be aware of how different relationships pull from you. Because like with your kids and your parents and your spouse, yes, they may need you for certain things and negatively pull from you in that way, but they can also be life-giving and pour back into your social rest. But you do have to be intentional and be aware of that. Because too often, especially if you're a mom, those relationships become very one-sided and you can always be pouring and never receiving if you're not careful. Sure. That was super helpful when I was reading your book was just the note that whether it's people or any other task that's pulling energy and draining me is not a bad thing. It's good for me to give. It's what am I doing to fill this back up that's really important so that it doesn't get down to the bottom and I start getting resentful or something over somebody else needing something again. Exactly. And that's that's why I said the thing about Mary and Martha, because yes, it's good for Mary to sit there and get poured all into, you know, but she can't just reserve it for herself because that's not how God functions. That's not his purpose for it. You know, his purpose for it is that she then has what she needs to go do what she's called to do. Um, The final two types of rest are sensory and creative. Sensory rest really is, it begins with evaluating what the sensory inputs are. Uh, in your environment, whether, you know, like the sights, sounds, smells, you know, textures, all of those things that are in your environment and evaluating kind of the effect that they have on you. Too often we ignore that. We ignore the thinking you know, of the the elevator beside your office or the sound of the kids playing, you know, outside of your work, work from home office door or, you know, whatever it may be, the TV that's playing in the background 24 seven that nobody's watching. Yeah, you know, we ignore those things, but our, our subconsciously, our body isn't ignoring it. 
mentally we may be ignoring it, but the rest of us is still absorbing all of that sensory yeah. input that's coming mm -hmm. in. And so too often people, you know, will say, I don't know why I get so agitated at the end of the day. And a big part of that is because they are responding to a sensory input that they don't even, sub, you know, subconsciously are not even aware of this going on. <laughs> They're right. not even thinking about it, but their body is responding to it. So to just be aware of the sensory inputs in our, our environment. And honestly, depending on if you are an introvert or extrovert can play a huge part in how you experience both emotional, uh, social rest and sensory rest. Um, because introverts tend to be very sensitive to sensory inputs. Extroverts tend to be very sensitive to lack of social rest or, or lack of social interaction, I should say. They mm -hmm. enjoy being around a large number of people. Whereas an introvert's like, nah, you know, I can do without. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good with me. You know, so they don't have that big of a problem. And I find that um, extroverts also have a tendency to be able to tolerate higher amounts of sensory input because they are used to having crowds of people around. So hearing the hum, the buzz, the noise and all of that that comes with crowds, they're good with it for longer periods of time than an introvert would be. That makes sense. Yeah. And then How the final it? type of rest would be creative. And that one deals with really how do we pour back into our creative energy? Creative energy most of us, I think when we think about it, we automatically think of like uh, artists or musicians or, you know, those kind of things. But creative energy is used whenever you problem solve, whenever you're thinking outside of the box, whenever you're coming up with new ideas, all of those are creative processes. And so a lot of us use an excessive amount of creative energy just in our day to day, just, you know, solving problems at home or at work or whatever. And the way we pour back into that can either be through how we appreciate natural beauty or how we appreciate man-made beauty, whether that's mm -hmm. things like the mountains, the ocean, you know, the trees, flowers, or if it's things like dance or theater or music or art, but we each have to have a, a, a way that we fill back up that creative well. And that comes through allowing beauty to kind of awaken something inside of us to be able to spark kind of that childlike awe and wonder that we have yes. so that it comes back to life. Oh, that's so fun. I've, I have a habit now. My mentor, my business mentor watches the sunrise most mornings and I have adopted that habit and it's so, so filling, right? So that fills my cup on so many levels. It gets me out walking, it gets my mind clear and but also on the creative level, just watching the beauty around us and observing it, how that can fill our cup. That's really cool. Yeah. And I, I, you know, as a, if you're anyone who's listening, who's a parent, I, I recommend try. If you find that your child tends to be overstressed a lot, as a lot of teens and a lot of kids at all ages are, I think most recent study talked about kids from ages of five to 12 tend to be sensory or tend to be sleep deprived. Um, and I believe a lot of them are also rest deprived because that tends to be what leads to the sleep deprivation as well. And so to start trying to model that with your children, because now I, I love it when I'm, we're driving somewhere and, and my kids will go, mom, take a, take a look at that. Take a look at the sunset, take a look at the sky and the colors and the sky and the changes. Isn't it beautiful? And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking when I was their age, I wouldn't have even noticed it. It wouldn't have been a thing that it would have even caught my attention. 
But because it's something I'm constantly saying to them and wanting them to appreciate beauty and what I know beauty can do inside of them as for their own creativity and the things that they need to accomplish in life, we can start instilling that within our own children. Right. Oh, I, I think that's so fun. Just they don't even recognize it, but it's filling their bucket a little bit mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I want to jump back to something else you said earlier about choosing. Because you end your book talking about how we can choose. And I think a lot of people don't realize that this is a choice you can make. They almost feel victim to the the life that they're living, especially if you have, like you said, elderly parents you're taking care of, a full college schedule and a, and a job, or if you have littles at home, how can we choose? How can we empower people to choose rest, to create that space? Yeah, that, as you know, that's my favorite question uh, is the basis of my entire, entire ministry and work and everything else that I do. Uh, my podcast, everything, everything's based off right. uh, this particular idea um, of choosing our best life. And I think that's it. It's just being aware that there is a there's going to be a decision that has to be made. There are boundaries that have to be erected. There's uh, and, and you have to first prioritize. What are your priorities? You know, there's different seasons in life and with different seasons become come different choices. And so right now I'm in a season where I'm, I'm getting kids out of high school into, you know, launching them into their life. And so I say no to a lot of speaking opportunities. I say no to a lot of things because I am making a choice right now that my family is more important than me than anything else. Um, and so when they are out of the house and launched and my husband can go with me on these events, then my choices may look different. But I think we have to begin with that process of first realizing that boundaries by definition must be confrontational. We can't be in a situation where we think, well, I, I, I don't want anybody to be upset that I said no, because if you're honoring a boundary, there are going to be times you have to say no to some things. And I think we have to get very comfortable with that, that if we are honoring what we feel like God has us, the season God has us in, then our truthful no is more more needed than our complacent yes. And to be mm. able to say that from a place of, of honesty, because I find very often that, and particularly I find it very often with women who will say, I have trouble saying no, I don't want anybody to be mad at me. They're, they kind of have a yes spirit. They say yes to everything. Yes, I'll volunteer for children's church. Yes, I'll bake that cake for the whatever it is. You know, yes, 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 yes to all the things. And what I what I try to help them understand is that you're that any no given for reasons like guilt, fear, shame should really be a yes, because that no is coming from a from an unpure place. It's not coming from a place of truth and, and honesty about what you feel the season is and what you feel God actually has for you to do in that season. Mm-hmm. You're giving it for all the wrong reasons. And God can't honor that because the yes is actually coming is a lie. It, it is not the truth of what you actually want to do. And so to, to, to have your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, the word actually says no further explanations needed. Because at when your yes is your yes and your no is your no and you're saying it from a truthful place, there should be no further explanation needed. You shouldn't have to then go into a dissertation other than to say, I believe this is what God would have me do at this time. Right. Yeah. I recently heard Jenna Kutcher say that boundaries aren't to keep things out of our life. They're to keep us in our lives. I think that's just so profound. Yeah. When we think about rest, it like keeps us 
Like this is where I've chosen to operate. This is what works for my life and this is where I want to live, not over here and over there and, and like feeling spread so thin. That's good. And I think that's so true because I think too often we, we run from the boundaries. We don't want to erect them and we don't want to have the pushback that comes from them, but they're needed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So is there anything else that you would like to leave my listeners with before you go? Any last thoughts? Yeah, just for those who may not be familiar with the book, um, the book is Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. Uh, It's divided up into two sections. The first half of the book talks about the types of rest and goes into detail, includes how to determine if you have a rest deficit, talks about the science and the research related to the rest deficit, and then gives you a couple of ideas on how to get rest in all of the seven areas. And then the second half of the book talks about the gifts of rest because I believe that things like boundaries, communication, uh, even those choices that we're talking about, some of those things are natural gifts that come once we understand our need for rest. And so just Mm -hmm. to be aware, you know, if you're someone who's thinking, you know, I'm not good at resting, that's my position as well. I'm a Martha. I, I unapologetically say I'm a Martha. I'm still a Martha. I still work hard. But now my work doesn't get me to a place of depletion. It doesn't get me to a place of wanting to give up. What my work does is an outpouring from the rest that I've received. Mm-hmm. Right. Resting first, filling that up first. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing this with us. Uh, I definitely recommend you guys go listen or go read um, Sacred Rest. It will empower you to rest and fill your cup and stop living from a place of burnout or feeling like you don't have a choice. It'll empower you um, to rest and live from the place that God wants us to be living. He doesn't want us to be burnt out. He doesn't get glory from our burnout somehow, and he's not asking you to fill your schedule jam-packed full. He wants that connection with you. And a lot of times I can't come from a place of busy. It has to come from a place of rest. Thank you so much for being here. Go grab Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith's book. It will be life-changing for you. And I hope you have a great rest of your week, friend. Thanks for listening to the Abundant Grace Podcast. If this episode was an encouragement to you, I would love to invite you to share it with a friend. And it would help me out so much if you would leave a review for the Abundant Grace Podcast. It makes a world of difference getting this podcast into the ears of other people so that they can be empowered and freed from religious do's and don'ts too. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on this week's episode. You can find me hanging out on Instagram at emily.abundantgrace, or you can send me an email at hello at emilyklewis.com. I'm praying for you and cheering you on in your faith and healing. Have a great rest of your day. And remember, there's nothing you can do that will make God love you more and nothing you have done that makes God love you less.